Hey, welcome to the Church Home Podcast. My name is David, and I'm the CEO here at Church Home, and I'm so glad that you joined us today. In just a moment, you're gonna hear an encouraging message from Judah around the person of Jesus and his love for you. And hey, if we can serve you in any way, please do not hesitate to reach out and chat with a pastor on our pastor chat tool, which you can find on our website or on the Church Home app. And if you've been impacted in any way by this message, we want to invite you to join those who so generously give to tell the story of Jesus across this globe. Go ahead and visit us on churchhome.org give or text the word generosity to 97,000. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this message. Hey church, welcome back to another message, another sermon. I'm so glad that you joined us. If you are new to this space, new to our place, welcome. I'm Judah. I'm married to Chelsea. We have three children, Zion's 19, Elliot's 16, Grace's 14. We are in the middle of the teenage years. Pray for me. You know I need it. This is wild out here raising these teenage humans. It is incredible. Um, I am so excited to share more of the story of Jesus with you. For those that don't know, our passion, our ethos, our focus here at Church Home is to make much of the creator, the architect, the designer, the savior, the superhero of the world. He has a name. The Bible says the fullness of God was in bodily form in Jesus. And so we follow the way of Jesus. We believe the way of Jesus is the better way. It's the way to everlasting life. It's the way of love and forgiveness and deference and decorum and care and kindness. So I am so glad you're here. I'm gonna do what I always do. I'm gonna take about 25 minutes. We're gonna take an aspect of the story of Jesus. We're going to expound on it, relate it to our modern existence and our modern life and see how it can guide and keep us and enable us in our daily life. Hey, wherever you are in the world watching this, please know God is there and he knows exactly what you're going to face today. And he's going to strengthen you, enable you and grace you to walk through your day. Furthermore, I love this time of year. If you're in the Western Hemisphere, it is what we call autumn or fall. I'm doing my best to kind of reflect the fall colors and the leaves. Um, I just, it's, it's out, uh, out, of, out of question. It is outrageously my favorite time of the year. Football's back here in the United States of America for those who care. And of course, here in this part of the world, we call football where we actually don't use our feet very much, uh, but we do have a ball. Um, so, uh, shout out to football fans around the world who actually have a game called football where it's a ball that's used with your feet. So, um, but sorry about that. We've taken that name. We've made it a little bit something else with pads and tackling and blocking and all that, but nonetheless, football fans all over the world. We love you. All right, let's jump into a portion of scripture and a phrase made by Jesus that's really captivated me. In fact, this sentence, we've been talking about the most important sentences in human history, and I've spent much time focusing uh, on these sentences made by Jesus. And what I'd like to do is for the next three weeks, focus on this one sentence that has three elements or three components. And those three components were incredibly special and significant to the Jewish audience that Jesus was speaking to. It is these three elements. Jesus says he is the way, he is the truth, 
and he is the life. I'd like to preach three different sermons. One on what it means. What are the implications of Jesus being the way? What are the second sermon will be? What are the implications of Jesus being the truth? And then lastly, in third and final sermon, what are the implications and, and, and what is the explanation around Jesus being the life? So, We'll start first by talking about discussing and trying to dissect and decipher Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. And I'm going to title uh, this sermon, Enjoy the Journey. Enjoy the Journey. Maybe you've heard people talk about that. I'm just enjoying the journey, brother. I'm just kind of enjoying the journey. And that brings me to an example. Um, what a weird uh, portion of human history. We all use maps now. Now, for those of you that are my age or older, there was actually a time where maps was a real paper thing that you pulled out of your glove box and you perused until you got to the portion of the world you were driving in. And then you tried to look at these maps and match it up with the roads. Thank God for technology. Now we have a voice of our own choosing that will lead us. I believe mine is an Australian woman. Shout out to women in Australia. Your accent's amazing. And that Australian, that soothing Australian female voice tells me where to go in life. Now, if you've ever driven in parts of the world that I drive in, and I got to tell you, I'm a terrible driver. I am the most distracted driver. We've gone over this before in community. I don't like driving. I don't prefer to drive, don't need to drive. I don't want to drive a go-kart. I don't want to drive a golf cart. I don't want to drive a truck. I don't want to drive an SUV. I don't want to drive a, a sedan. I don't want to drive at all. But every now and again, uh, it is prudent for me as a father or a husband to actually drive. And so I access maps. Now, there's uh, a number of different applications now that you can choose. I forget which one that I even use, but like I said, I like the soothing voice that I've chosen, and this incredible soothing female voice tells me, turn here, go left here. Now, undoubtedly, I still get lost, even with maps, and it's at that point that my wife of 23 years makes fun of me, and we get into a fight, and it's a whole thing, and I'm not going to get into that because that is not the point of the message. But has this ever happened to you? You're en route and you're focused on your ETA. Now, if you're like me, at a stoplight, hopefully, okay, don't text and drive. This is your pastor telling you, do not text and drive. It is, it is actually not safe and it's not okay and it's not a joke, okay? But I am guilty of it. But now I try very diligently to only text at stop signs, which you got to text really fast or you get a honk from behind, <laughs> or stoplight. That's a much better choice, stoplight. And it's there usually that I will text the person on the other end of my destination, my ETA. Has this ever happened to you? Has your ETA ever grown and grown the longer you're driving? And you're like, now, I know I'm covering some ground here, but I'm not. Because the estimated time of arrival is increasing, which is to say, you're getting nowhere very fast, right? That's the definition. You are getting nowhere fast. Um, it's gotten so bad in like Los Angeles or Seattle where I do most of my driving that I have literally given up. I have actually pulled off the road, gone to a cafe and figured it's a better use of my time to have a cup of coffee and wait out the traffic because I think I'll end up getting there around the same time. It's kind of a metaphor for life, though, isn't it? 
Have you ever tried to arrive in life? Come on, you know what I mean. Much of our culture is obsessed with arrival. When am I going to arrive? Think about all of the concepts and the principles and the ideologies and the ideations around like getting people where they want to go. Maybe it's a house that you want to get into. Maybe it's a marriage you want to get into. Maybe it's a career you want to arrive to. And you're constantly thinking, sometimes even subconsciously, when am I going to arrive? Now, it really is a farce if we're honest, right? Because The problem with life is eventually you're exposed to someone who is arrived where you're attempting to arrive. And when you talk to them, they seem to be just as human as me and you. You ever like gone over to someone's house and it's like a really big, nice house and you're like, oh, if I lived here, I would have no problems. My back wouldn't hurt. I would never have cavities. I wouldn't have to go to the dentist. I would float. I would never have to drive again, right? And suddenly, like, this idea of this space tells you that you wouldn't even be human. You'd be like this angelic force floating through the universe because you finally arrived in your dream home. But, of course, you talk to the people who actually live in your dream home, and, oh, man, they got the same issues you do, right? They still got to forgive their spouse. They still got to love their kids. Simply put, arrival's overrated. And yet we spend so much of our time here on earth trying, striving, and arriving. How much does that describe our daily life? Striving and arriving. It's always the next deal. It's always the next season. I was watching a documentary recently on Netflix and a football coach who had won two national championships said by the end of the the second national championship they had won in, in, in college football in this country while his team was celebrating their, their national championship that had just concluded. They had just won. They were in the locker room at the end of the game. The coach was already texting and calling new recruits for next season because the pressure had already started to win again next year. Arrival, it's overrated. Striving, it's not worth it. What if there was a way for you and I to eliminate the falsehood of arrival? eliminate the stressful existence of striving. Think about all the things you and I strive for. I got to close the deal. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to, and we get all worked up and all stressed out and all frustrated and all flustered. And frankly, by the end of our day, exhausted with striving and arriving. This entire, the next 10 to 12 minutes is dedicated to the ruthless elimination of striving and arriving in your life. So lean in. If you're a striver or if you're one who seeks to arrive, the rest of this sermon is dedicated to you. Jesus says to Thomas in what is John chapter 14, Thomas is flustered and frustrated. Jesus is predicting his exit. He's predicting his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And Thomas, Jesus seems to be talking in kind of these elusive tones and terms. And he says, and and Thomas goes, we don't know where you're going. This is frustrating. Like, what are you, we want to go with you. Where are you going? And it's here in that context 
very natural, normal context. Thomas sounds a lot like me. God, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know where you're going. I'm trying to lead this faith community called church home. I'm trying to lead my family. I'm trying to lead my kids. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know where you're going. This is frustrating. And here is Jesus' response. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. I looked up these terms and we'll, the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about the truth and the life, but I want to dedicate the next 10 minutes to Jesus the way. He did not say that he points the way. He did not say that he reveals the way. He did not say that he shows the way. Jesus said, I am actually the way. Now you look up that original ancient word and one of its meanings is the journey. So when we say Jesus is the way, one of its meanings, one of its paramount and prominent meanings is that he is the journey. And there it is, the title of this track, Enjoy the Journey. Jesus is the journey. He is the way. He's not just in the way. He is not just a way. He is the way. Jesus is the journey. Now, I want to expound on that and give you three explanations. What does it mean when we say Jesus is the journey? Well, this isn't one of my points, but it literally implies he he, he is the arrival. He is the destination. He is the goal. He is the prize. He is the point of it all. It's, It's him, right? And if you're like me, I have spent so much of my life here on earth trying to ask Jesus to join me so that I can arrive where I want to go. How foolish is that? I assume that the designer, architect, and creator of the universe, like an accessory, like a vehicle, is here to help me get my dream house, here to help me get the career I want. I'm going to be really candid with you and really embarrassing. I've asked God sometimes, help me get the clothes I want, the watches I want, the things I want, the stuff I want. And I have used him like a jeweler. I've used him like a personal stylist. I've used him like a vehicle. I've used him like a coach. I've used him like a lawyer. I've used him like a doctor. And yet, Jesus reveals in the middle of his disciples' frustration, we don't know where you're going. We don't know what you're doing. We want to come with you. Please take us with you. Be our guide. Be our aid. And Jesus said, I am the journey, guys. I'm the journey. I'm the point. I'm the destination. Now, that means three things to me. He is the point. He is the process. And he is the promise. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is the journey. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. Let go of striving and arriving. Jesus is the point, the process, and the promise. The point, the process, and the promise. Number one, Jesus is the point of all life. Now, I would urge you to go to the book of Colossians, the most Christ-centered book in all of the Bible narrative. Jesus is spoken of more by name in Colossians. He is referred to more in Colossians than any other book in the Bible. It is the most concentrated, I should say, per words, per length, per structure. Colossians is it, and it's there that Colossians reveals that the focal point of existence is Jesus. He is the point. He's the point. I 
want to give you a task. I want to give you a task. I want to help you enjoy the journey. You know what I want to encourage you to do is ask Jesus to show you and remind you that he's the point of it all. Just ask him. Doesn't take much. You don't have to figure this all out. Just ask him, hey, God, I'm starting to think that stuff is the point and you're the point. I've been using you to get to the stuff I want. How inverted is that? How ridiculous is that? Here I am co-oping my life with the architect of the ages, asking him to help me. Now, listen, if you want jewelry and you want a leather jacket or you want a new car or you want a little more square footage, there is nowhere in scripture that it says those things are inherently wrong. Now, when they become the point, they disappoint. That's just the facts. The moment those things become a point, I promise you one thing, you will be disappointed if you make those the point. But when he's the point, he said, all these things will be added to you. That's not a problem. God wants to bless you. And you, you, you want to go on a trip to Europe someday, or maybe you live in Europe. I don't want to go on a trip to Europe. You want to come to America, come to LA, go to Disneyland. Listen, I, I'm, I'm going to be the pastor in your life going, let's believe that, you know, you can raise resources and get on that plane and come over to Disneyland and see Mickey and Minnie. That's awesome. There's no problem with that. But when Mickey and Minnie become the point, you will be disappointed. Jesus is the point of your existence. Ask, hey, God, remind me that you're the point. Remind me. Can I tell all the moms and dads out there? We got to remind our kids. He's the point. Hey, once you have Jesus, you don't have to wait to exhale anymore. You don't have to wait to arrive anymore. You don't have to strive anymore. He is nearer to you than your next breath. Jesus, he's not just the point. He's the process. He's the process. Now, in the part of the world that I live in, this is a very, very interesting concept because the process seems to always be alluded to as this thing that you have to endure before you arrive. Right. So like um, if you were to get like a success coach or like a professional coach to help you, uh, what permeates a lot of the teachings and the training today, and I'm not saying it's inherently wrong. I'm just saying I don't think it's incredibly accurate in the order of the universe and the galaxies and the solar system. I, I actually don't think the process is something to be endured. I think the process is someone to be enjoyed. And the process is him. I think we have to allow the process as opposed to strive in the process. Let me say it like this. I know for a fact that you, yes, you watching this right now, God has given you gifts that are unique to you. They're unique to you. Now, do I think you can be a good steward of those gifts? Do I think you need to develop those gifts? Absolutely. But you know what is more important than stewarding those gifts and developing those gifts and working those gifts? It's getting out of the way and allow God to use your gifts. It's true. It's one of the, my favorite things to teach around the idea of using your gifts, going through the process of your life. You got to let go. You gotta just allow. Hey, God, if you gifted me and talented, talented it me to do this, then I'm just gonna let go. 
use my gift. Um, there is a concept amongst elite athletes and they will tell you, sure, there's a preparation, there's a practice, but either you are talented and gifted by God or you're not. But if you are, once it's game time, once it's time, you got to get out of the way and just trust that your talent and your ability that given to you by God will be in full flight. And you have to trust him with it. You have to trust him with it. I think you're amazing. I think you're a miracle. I think you're so talented and gifted. But sometimes we get so in our head and we're always like, I, I'm just, I got to do better. I got to try harder because I'm going to, I'm, I'm always going to be the pastor in your life encouraging you, hey, did God give this to you or not? Like, for instance, you could get all stressed out about living in 2023. And trust me, I am with you. I mean, it is not easy to live in the technological booming age of the 2020s and beyond, right? Some generation will eventually call these the 20s. That seems to refer to the 1920s, but we are living in the 20s. These 20s will be defined so much by the acceleration and velocity of tech and technology and information. As a result, these aren't the easiest days to be alive. These aren't the easiest days to be a parent. These aren't the easiest days to be a leader. No offense, they're not the easiest way, easiest days to be a preacher or a public figure. There is a lot of critique and a lot of challenges and a lot of people going, ah, you know, I don't know if I agree, you know. I mean, just tweet one tweet and see what happens. I don't even think it's called Twitter anymore. I think it's called X. I'm confused. The point is, these aren't easy days to be alive. But you know what I tell myself all the time? Hey, you were made for this time. That's why I'm born now. That's why I'm 44 at 2023. I was supposed to be 44. I think I was supposed to be in front of this camera. I think I was supposed to be expounding on the story of Jesus for your benefit and your encouragement. So I can either get in the way or I can get out of the way and allow God to use my gifts. Enjoy the journey. And lastly, Jesus is not only the point, he's not only the process, but he's the promise. He's the promise. He's the promise. He is the realized promise today, and he is the aspiring promise for tomorrow. I think so much of our life is, um, how should I say, it's this aspirational aspect of life. Someday, maybe, I could. And I think aspiration can be very compelling. Aspiration can be an incredible energy in this life. I want to aspire. But you have all things, please hear me, you have all things pertaining to life and godliness. That's what the scripture says. You know why? Because you have the journey. You have the promise. He's yours. I am his and he is mine. He is your promise. And I would simply say, you need to ask God to remind you that he's the point. You need to allow the process to be played out in your life. You were destined to be here. And lastly, adore the fact that you have the promise in your life. You'll never get better than him. You'll never get more than Jesus. He is enough. He is the promise. He is the promise of a secure tomorrow. He is the promise of a forgiven yesterday. He is the promise of his presence today. 
He is the promise. Now, I understand how life works down here. I understand that there are so many things to look forward to, and that's awesome. But one of my favorite phrases and statements with my friends right now, we're saying this, it's happening. It's happening. And I, I, I guess I could say it this way at the conclusion of this talk. He is happening. Your wildest dreams are coming true. You hear me? This whole message was set up with the idea that maybe, just maybe, you could exhale. Just right now. Just exhale. I know you've been striving and arriving. It's as if we are predisposed that way, isn't it? And everybody, we look around, you see that the Joneses and the Joneses seem to be really uh, acquiring all kinds of beautiful things. And it's like, whoa, I, I'd, I'd, I'd like that. Ooh, maybe I could have that. And sometimes we miss the magic of the man we have, the God man, Jesus. He is the journey. Enjoy him today. Enjoy him today. That fear of missing out, that fear of never arriving. Hey, I'm not even sure that's accurate. I'm not even sure that's true. If you have Jesus, you have the point of existence. You have the treasure of all nations, the lily of the valley, the rose of Sharon, the point of it all. You got the point. You got the promise. You got the process. It's all in him. Thomas says, I don't know where you're going. Why? Because Thomas, like you and me, is like, I guess we're going somewhere. And Jesus is like, no, I came to you. It's me, Thomas. It's me that you're looking for. And later the scripture will record. Jesus will go through the horrific crucifixion. He'll be buried in a rich man's grave. He'll rise again on the third day and the disciples will be huddled in a fearful little group behind a locked door. And it's there that Jesus will walk through those walls and he will show Thomas the scars in his hand and his side that proves that he did all of it for Thomas. And I want to remind you lastly, church, and I'm done right at 25 minutes. I'm looking at my clock right over here. I want to remind you that this isn't home, but we're going home soon. Remember, he is the journey. He is the point. And I guess in a way, I am also saying that you got more than you think you got. And you're doing better than you think you're doing. God chose you for this time. He wasn't shocked that you were born in this era. Something inside of you was predisposed to be alive right now and to be the leader and the thinker and the innovator and the human being that you are today. Rest in that. Let confidence well up in your being today that what God started in you, he's seeing it through. He's walking it through. Your days are ordered and numbered by God. He even counted the numbers of hairs on your head. He loves you. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for these minutes and moments we share as a community and so much more we can say about you. I mean, you are inexhaustible, but I hope that you would take these few minutes and you would translate them even further into the spirits and souls and hearts of human beings watching right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. If you're watching this episode, you're watching this sermon and you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers. The Bible declares that he who knew no wrong, no error, no sin, became all of the wrong and the error and the sin that would ever be com committed in human history. 
And he took it and absorbed it in his body on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven forever, not by deeds, effort, or work, but by simply accepting the work and the effort that Jesus completed on the cross. You want a relationship with God? You want to be accepted by God in total and complete perfection and have a right relationship with him permanently and forever and spend eternity with him on a new heavens and a new earth? All it takes is one moment of receptivity and faith. And if you would like to receive the free gift of forgiveness that only Jesus offers, which ensures that you and I go home someday and are with him forever, just say, I receive, I believe. Right there, that's it, it's done. It's not hard, he's near, he's here. He's the goal, he's the point, he's the process, he's the promise. He'll never be the same again. Hey, there's pastor chat available right now as I speak. There are real live people waiting to talk with you, speak with you, help you, and encourage you as you either begin your spiritual journey or you continue your spiritual journey. I love you, church home. Thanks for watching and stay tuned because we're gonna go two more weeks now on this same phrase and I think it'll be incredibly encouraging to you. Love you.